I think oversharing is frowned upon because we're taught to be like secretive. Hello, Hello hustlers. hustlers. Welcome to That Freelance Life Podcast, the show where we discuss the how-tos, the ins and outs, and the highs and lows of creative freelance life in London. I'm Harriet Stockwell. And I'm Brittany Beebe. And we're creative freelancers here to guide you. Please note, we do recommend that you try this at home. Welcome back, guys, to That Freelance Life Podcast. Cannot believe that we are on episode seven. It's pretty wild. That's how have we got in here already? I know, I know. And it's funny because we are recording these not in order at all. So this is just episode seven for you, but not necessarily for us. Technically, it is actually, actually epi- yeah. It is technically episode seven because we're actually recording episode, the last one. We're technically recording the last one tomorrow, <laughs> but it won't be the last one in the series. <laughs> if we can explain that. So we have a very hot topic to talk to you about today. It's mental health. It's something that is very close to Harriet and Mai's heart. And, you know, it's something, it's a, it's a topic that we really wanted to discuss for a while now. And it, it has been circulating on social media. It's been circulating in the media. It's something that is very big in HR terms of companies and which is, it's great. It's really great that companies are getting on board. They're trying to find solutions and ways in which to work with individuals because at the end of the day, we are all individuals with very unique lives and unique circumstances. Um, and it's not one one size fits all. all. Absolutely. So let's be agile. Let's be inclusive. Let's be flexible. That's what we need going forward in our workspaces. We need to make sure that we work with individuals to best get the best work that we can from them in the ways that feel good for them. And, you know, having this conversation, especially within the creative and media industries, the places that are technically supposed to be the more open liberal spaces of the business world. But yes, there's so many social media accounts popping up, calling out toxic behavior in agencies that's harmful to mental health. Absolutely. So if you think about the Instagram account, the Agency Insider, so they anonymously share stories and experiences of people who have, there's some awful things that have happened to people, some seriously um, depression, anxiety inducing things that have gone on um, where people have experienced terrible things in agencies and, and in our industry. And this is all preventable. And the real lucky thing, I guess, with Brittany and I is that we have each other. Um, It's a very rare uh, partnership that we can hold space with each other. Sorry, more it's that it's rare to be able to have the kind of atmosphere and relationship in which that you can hold space for each other. So if one of us is having a really hard and bad day, the other one is holding that space, but also holding the work and Um, giving the time and energy that maybe the other needs but we've both experienced you know the burnout the depression the anxiety I've had panic attacks on calls I once or twice I've just said I think I'm having a panic attack and And then I have to be just breathe just breathe listen to my voice listen to my (laughs) uh it's been quite scary and at that time there's one that was really bad and I was actually in Cape Town and it's hard for me being on the other side and not being able to know crap what if something really bad yes (laughs) does happen and I can't do anything right now so yeah it's 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 scary and I'm glad that these conversations are happening and that companies and agencies are making it more of uh the forefront of their organization yeah Yeah, prioritizing it more. So we decided to chat to someone who's actually experiencing this in real time. Martina Gordine. 
She is a freelance content creator and cultural consultant, a self-described young black woman who's assertively taken her future into her own hands by recently going freelance while dealing with overcoming grief, being neurodivergent, and also suffering from mental health problems. So we chatted to her about the experience and uncertainty of freelancing, coupled with the challenges for minorities in creative industries, which is hugely important to talk about. How to manage client expectations, bringing your full self to work, and making sure that you create those boundaries to protect your mental health. Just to flag up front in this episode, we speak about neurodiversity and mental health. So just to explain what those mean, neurodiversity is a term for when someone's brain processes or learns or behaves differently from what is considered typical. This could be something like autism, ADHD, or dyslexia. Mental health, on the other hand, is generally defined by symptoms, behaviors, or emotions. So things like anxiety, panic attacks, depression, those things, for example, you can recover from and you can treat. Another disclaimer up front is that we are not medical professionals and nor is our guest. If you are struggling with your mental health, please contact the NHS if you are in the UK. They have free resources and therapy options. I've actually used their cognitive behavioral therapy before and it is super helpful. Alternatively, please contact a medical professional if you are listening from another country. Let's get vulnerable as we talk to Martina, Martina Gordine. Martina, welcome to the podcast. It is so awesome to have you. Um, your infectious energy, we've already felt before this. So I really hope that this follows through and the listeners also get super excited about this. Thank you for having me. This is like so... I'm just like, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so, so great to have you here. It's really our pleasure to be chatting to you about a topic that is something that's really important to us mm-hmm. and that we don't speak about enough. Yeah, especially. Absolutely. So maybe just to kick off, um, it'd be awesome for you to just describe who you are and what is the work that you do. So my name is Martina Jordine. I am a 24-year-old freelance brand partnerships and brand partnerships and social consultant. Um, I also run an agency called 66, dedicated to helping black founders and creatives um, navigate the world of social media with ease. Given that um, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety last year and you know, navigating the internet is complicated. A lot of people don't really like being there, but like we need it. I thought there has to be a way in which we can create a world where people can grow and not necessarily have to post every day or exist on the internet at the times where they don't actually want to be there. So that's essentially what I help people do. I realized when I was in university that there isn't enough information about how to grow on social media, how to start your careers and all of that kind of stuff. And I thought, why not be the person that it does something yeah. about it. Um, so yeah, I guess that's me. I've been freelancing for, we're going into my third month. April is my third month of freelancing full time. Um, but I've always kind of freelanced on the side, if that makes sense. Yeah. We were also those side hustling girls <laughs> before we took the plunge. So do you want to just take us through a really quick journey of your career so far? Where did it start um, and how have you gotten to become a freelancer? So I think... I say my journey started when I was around 14, 15 years old. I was watching YouTube as you know you do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was basically going to be a lawyer. My mom was just like, you have an answer for everything in a black household draw, either a lawyer, a doctor, or like something that is going to bring the cash in. So I was just kind of like, I don't like science enough. I don't like maths. 
I guess Law's okay. <laughs> I guess Law's okay. And I, I kind of like helping people. Helping people is like my thing. So Law made sense until I had a work experience at one of the top law firms in the UK. And I just didn't like it. And I, just, I didn't like how I went there to learn about law. And they didn't teach me about law. I was in the work experience place doing my um, UCAS statement. So rewind back to 14, 15 year old Martina. She came across a video on the internet um, by a woman called Shameless Maya at the very beginning of her YouTube career. And she had decided that she was gonna do something that challenged herself. She was gonna start uploading videos weekly on YouTube. And I was like, you know what? I can't do the YouTube thing, but maybe I can start blogging. So I created a blog called Beauty and Tea. A year later, that turned into me going um, onto YouTube. My ex, well, my boyfriend at the time bought me a camera. I think it was a Canon DSLR. Nice, nice, nice. presence. Great, right? <laughs> I think it was like the 700D, something yeah. like that. Um, didn't know how to use it, I just pressed record. So I went to university and I realized, like I said, there wasn't that much information out there. And going from London to Birmingham where I went, in London you wake up and it's like, I wanna go to an event and there's an event that you can go to. In yeah. Birmingham it was like, do creatives exist? <laughs> and it's like, I know I'm studying a cre- creative course, but I'm only being told about TV. I'm only being told about radio. I'm only being told about journalism. I wanted to get into PR at the time, so I thought. So I created a platform that was called The Pink Book. Cool. And Amazing. <laughs> what was The Pink Book? So if you know what a black book yes. is, um, a black book is basically, back in the days, it used to be where men used to keep their contacts for the people that they shouldn't have. Like, they didn't want their wives or their girlfriends knowing about The little oh. black book. Yeah, like your little Sneaky. secret book of contacts that you need but shouldn't have. Oh. So my favorite I color- I didn't even know that. <laughs> so my favorite color is pink. So I thought, let's put a positive spin on it. Let's turn it into the pink book and let me make it a place in which I can bring other people into my network. So using the people that I've met along the way, I then started doing events and I created a podcast in my final year of university in which I spoke to people that had unique careers, such as UX, UI design, which in 2018, 19, wasn't really something people knew about. So I spoke to people that did UX, UI, I did copywriting. There was someone that was fitness, athlete, entrepreneur type person. So through doing that, I realized that like, this is actually pretty sick. I did the group project by myself because I was between Birmingham and London um, on internship projects, just helping out on events and stuff. And I don't want to be an inconvenience to anyone. So I got my result. I think I got a first in the project overall. And that was like quite sick. And I was like, you know what, actually, I think I can do this. I want to do this for other people. And in my whole time at university, I was obviously interning because I was on a practical course. Thinking the whole three years, I probably did around like maybe 12 internships, if not more. Um, and I also started freelancing on the side. I was like, you know, I kind of like this thing, this little marketing, little, you know, like yeah. on the internet. And if I'm going to live somewhere, I, I live on the internet. I'm so happy to say it. I don't feel bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Like, <laughs> like, bring that metaverse out. <laughs> I will yeah. be the first on there. You know, what? if I'm going to live on the internet and I'm going to do something that's just this, then I might as well try and make something out of it so I started helping other people started taking consultations ended up having clients and it's just kind of been going since I've never really had to like look for clients yeah. up until recently yeah. it's just kind of been through like word of mouth or like I've helped someone and if someone's noticed you helped so and so so you can help me it's just been like that but obviously now that I'm doing it full time there is the whole looking for clients thing because the money that you get from 
word of mouth isn't necessarily enough to sustain your bills. Yeah. Yes. And it's also very much like I want to be intentional about the people that I'm working with. So sometimes those people don't know they don't know that they need you. So it's about going to them and telling them this is what I can and cannot do. So being proactive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's mainly centered around building sort of their social media awareness. Um, it depends yeah. really so when I started university I had this idea that I was either going to go into beauty PR or become a full-time content creator that was the idea so I didn't actually specialize in anything because I wanted to be able to be well-rounded enough that I could do everything that I needed to do so that when it came to onboarding someone I could tell them this is exactly how I like my things done and also the negative side was if anyone tried to swindle me or like tried to scam me for something or tell me like this was gonna take a lot longer than I knew roughly how long it took me to do something. Obviously, give and take that, it might take someone a bit longer, but I kind of knew what my expectations were. I knew my way around the softwares. Um, so I've done modules in visual design. I did radio documentaries. I did photo- photography. I did um, media law. I did events and exhibition planning. So I've kind of done everything. So I can kind of do everything. So up until now, like my platform and my business has kind of been a one-man band because I don't really need people because I've got the basic skills. Yes. But there have been moments in which I have sought external help. Um, so that's just kind of been me. Amazing. So you describe yourself as a young black neurodiverse woman. Yeah. What has your overall experience been like in the industry? So I've only started describing myself as a young black neurodiverse woman with mental health issues. I've been diagnosed with depression and anxiety when I'm the person of my nan. As of recent, because I realized that to me, it feels like the industry doesn't know what to do with you when you're anything more than black. And unfortunately for them, I exist at many intersectionalities. I think that's the word. So not only am I black, I'm young. Not only am I young, I'm neurodiverse. I have dyslexia and dyspraxia. Not only am I neurodiverse, I also have anxiety and depression. So it's just like, if you're not dealing with the blackness, then you're dealing with, she may be a bit sad today or like, she may be a bit anxious today. So there's been times where I've had to let my line manager at the time know that, my anxiety is a bit higher today. I'm like, we've got an event. So she just had to keep an eye on me. So I've had to do things like that. But I just can't, I've just always kind of felt one thing is always pulled out more. And that isn't necessarily the greatest attribute or like the greatest thing to focus on because as much as those are, that is who I am, I am all of those things and all of those things um, play into like how I live my my life so um, because I know I have anxiety like I've now just started um, implementing a morning routine which means that in the morning the first three hours of the day are dedicated to myself so if that means that I don't I don't need three hours but I like to give myself enough time to do my morning routine so if I actually wake up and I don't start my morning routine straight away there isn't the rush to do that my morning routine will still get done but we don't have to do it as soon as we open our eyes. It's just, we'll do it. So yeah, like I've always, I've always really struggled and I just, I just feel like since freelancing, it has been so much easier to navigate being in a space where like you can tell people that this is who I am. This is how I have to work. This is what I need to do. And if you can't 
accommodate that, then that's fine. I just can't work with you because I've spent a lot of my time trying to work in ways that aren't necessarily the greatest for me because I was afraid. Telling people that I'm dyslexic is a bit taboo. You don't really want to say that you have a disability on an interview form because as much as they can't not hire you for that they also can get away with like not hiring you and not saying that they didn't hire you because you're dyslexic so I've always wondered and had struggles with like whether I should disclose that I have depression anxiety dyslexia dyspraxia all of these things exactly because they're not things that prevent you from doing your job but there are things that play into your capacity to work and to you know do you want to work now no you want to do your morning routine like the flexible flexible nature of being a freelancer it's so so amazing yeah 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 because I've I think I found out that I was dyslexic um in my family of university it was a year-long process that started in my second year but because when I decided to it actually I think my driving instructor told me that I should go and find out whether I'm dyslexic because he's teaching me how to drive as if he's teaching somebody that is dyslexic and I was like okay (laughs) (laughs) do you feel like if you'd been diagnosed with that earlier on school and things like that might have been like uh, even Ab- easier absolutely or like- my maths teacher in secondary school said to me and I remember this so 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 vividly she sat like I think I was sitting in class um St. Angela's Ursuline School amazing amazing place <laughs> shut up <laughs> um, I was sitting in my maths lecture I think I was in like set one or set two like I've always been like smart-ish but but I've never like I've had to work for my grades so I remember like I think it was to GCSE were like A levels and stuff so she was like did you pick maths for A-level? I was like, no. And she was like, yeah, I wouldn't recommend. Ugh. I got a B at GCSE. Oh my, oh my God. God. <laughs> so you're like, lady. <laughs> so it's like, just because I ask you more questions than you're willing to answer, or I have like, or, do you know what I mean? Just because yeah. I do yeah. all of these things. Or I think the problem is, I, don't, I guess teachers don't get paid enough to to have these considerations. Like they're just trying to get the grades, trying to get through. But I think that really did me a disservice. For me, like I've always, learning has been something that I've had to try and do. So with everything that I do now, it's all about like learning information and doing things with my experience so that I can then give that information on to people that are like me, that maybe aren't neurodiverse, but they simply just don't understand the big words. Cause I think there is information about the creative industry out there but it's not accessible. The language is is terrible or um, you just have to search for hours. Yeah. And I think as much as we love living on the internet, unfortunately we don't like hard labor. And I don't think that's something that we should frown upon. Yeah. I think sometimes you have to do the work, but I think sometimes we need to ask ourselves, why are we making people search so hard for information that could actually benefit themselves I think there's a stat I think it's like 60 percent of students that go to university to stud to study creative degrees end up in careers that aren't suitable for themselves like they end up in jobs that they hate because they weren't given appropriate career advice and that's because you study a degree media and communications and you're only told about three things yeah and it's like what there is more than if I want to go into music I don't have to be a producer I don't have to be an artist I can deal with sync stuff like how do I get my artist song in a in a movie I can be an A&R like where is the newest sound I can be a tour manager I can be all of these things 
but who's gonna tell me that? So obviously I'm gonna try and become an artist. I wanna try and become a producer and my friends are gonna be afraid to tell me that my music isn't great, but it's because nobody's telling me that all of these other things exist. So I just know that I wanna be in the music industry and I'm gonna do whatever I can, even if it means forcing becoming an artist or forcing learning the whole beats yeah. thing. And it's like, there's so many different things. Like even with tech, you can be in tech and not necessarily be a coder you can just be yeah. someone that plans yeah. stuff or you can just be admin and you can do data entry you can do all of these different things but who's going to tell you that yeah I find I mean I personally found as well in school it's so rigid and maybe that's again why people um well definitely in schools they are lacking the knowledge or ability to deal with neurodiverse or just in general um people who kids who are suffering from so many multiple things and they're giving them a disservice because otherwise they could be really successful in their own right but the structure is not benefiting anybody and I find and we were chatting earlier before we started recording with you on your permanent job it's the same kind of structure that happens in companies yeah so it's so funny they're just replicating this school environment to a company environment and not making any um space for the yeah. fact that we are all so different. different yeah and i don't understand why that is because i i don't know like even just me being a young black you know neurodiverse woman that has mental health issues that's one person let's just say that's one person in a group of 30 in a classroom how many different characteristics do you have to take into consideration there and it's also it's taking all of those consider um characteristics into consideration realistic it isn't but I think the problem is a lot of companies that I've worked in since graduating haven't necessarily cared enough about taking into consideration more than race or yeah. like sexuality. Yeah. I think, I don't know how to say this. I think I'm black, right? Amazing stuff. Thank you for making me feel welcome in your company. I appreciate that. But at the end of the day, like, I am allowed to expect more from you and I'm allowed to expect you to cater to more than just my blackness. Yeah. I remember like the, I worked at a PR agency and I loved it, but I also didn't like certain things, but I loved it because I felt like I could go in and like, it didn't matter what color my hair was. People just treated it as if it was my hair. And it was just like, I don't like having to work in places where I wonder like, can I switch my wig? Is somebody gonna have to like, can I touch that? Or was this like, your hair was different last week or yeah. all of those kind of things. And I really liked that I could go there and be myself. But the thing that I didn't like is that as somebody that is quite anxious and quite reserved, that I eventually got to a point where I was set an objective of, to speak 10 times in any meeting that I was in because I don't believe in talking for no reason. So here we're having a conversation with a purpose, but in meetings, unless I have something to share, I just, I just kind of take in the information and, you know, write it down, yeah. go about my business. Yeah. And they didn't like that. So I was being penalized for not communicating unnecessarily because I was being seen as someone that wasn't a team player and that's something that I've got very often and it's just like me now having to like come out of my way and out of my comfort zone and obviously like you have to come out of your comfort zone regardless but I'm having to do all of these things that make my life and my experience working more exhausting because I'm doing things that aren't natural to me yes and I'm still being penalized because I'm still not social enough you know? Yeah, it is a, a crazy navigation, I can only imagine. But you're so driven and accomplished, and it's really incredible to to just hear and talk to you. Um, you also talk openly about your anxiety, which is 
I th- you know, we were talking earlier how you felt also in the black community, people don't that much. Um, but it is something that we are all striving to get yeah. more in touch with and share our stories. Why do you think it is important to destigmatize the fact that you can struggle with mental health and still be successful? I think when you live on the internet, like I do, like we all do, um, we see all of these lives that seem perfect. We see people's highlight reels and I kind of got really uncomfortable with only showcasing the good things, especially after my nan passed away. I lived with my nan, like that was my best friend. There was nothing that we didn't really do together type of thing. So I didn't really understand how I was supposed to be able to come onto the internet and smile, you know, yeah. Just, yeah. just be the like, woo, I lost my nan, party. Like I couldn't do it. So I remember getting my diagnosis after I came back from her funeral, I think April last year. Um, the GP sounded like really concerned. And that to me was concerning because like, if your doctor's concerned, yeah. then there has to be an issue. And I remember like the day I got my diagnosis, I was supposed to go to an event. I just remember feeling so like, God, the GP's concerned. The GP? <laughs> as in the gp wants me to go to the pharmacy before one o'clock when they close to get my medication concerned i was just like damn we better get to the to the pharmacy really quickly so i was put on medication i was put on fluoxetine i think like 15 milligrams something like that and i just kind of real. i just remember how i felt and how like i was at this party in my head not really being able to enjoy what i was doing enjoy the place that i was in and I just wanted to go home, so I left. Yeah, like, I don't like that. I feel like this. So I started speaking to my friends about it. I was in therapy. I think I've been in therapy for about three years on and off um, through, like, the NHS. I think I've only paid for therapy once, and my workplace, my last workplace paid for that. I didn't like not being able to have conversations. I'm a conversation person. I love to talk. Yeah. Maybe I'm an oversharer. I think I'm definitely an oversharer, <laughs> but I don't think oversharing... I think oversharing is frowned upon because we're taught to be, like, secretive. Yes. I think the conversations that we want to have are conversations that are normal, but because we haven't been allowed to have them for a long time, we are now deeming people that are willing to have these conversations as people that overshare. And who is it really benefiting when we don't talk openly about these things? Yeah, do you know? So for me, I think I did a video about um, like my therapy experience after having CBT and, um, so that's cognitive behavioral therapy and psychodynamic therapy. And I compared the two. Wow. And the response to that was like, okay, cool. People kind of do care. But there's no one really talking about these things. So I try to remember that I only do things when I have the capacity to do them. So now, like, even today, I got ready. But the way that I post my stories, it's like, it's always two hours after the thing has happened. Or it's like, I'm trying to allow myself to live in the moment whilst also experiencing the things that are happening. I know that I need to share my journey as a young freelancer because there are not many people that are 24 and trying to build an agency for such a niche group. So I want to try and share that journey. But I'm not always going to be able to share that journey. Sometimes I just want to share TikToks and that's fine. I'm allowing myself to do that. But for a long time, I felt like I just had to be Martina the freelancer or martina the person that loved music or the martina the person that loved makeup i didn't really feel like i was allowed to showcase everything in my entirety because everyone tells you to niche down but mm, martina's not like my niche is martina like i am me and as a person i am multifaceted so why should i now come onto the internet and pretend that i only care about fashion 
when I actually live in like leggings and like an oversized hoodie most often. But when it's when I'm going out, that's when I might try and make an effort. So then it's like, I'm trying to do something that's unrealistic. And because it's unrealistic, I'm struggling. And because I'm struggling, I'm feeling sad about myself. So then I just realized that I was putting myself in a cycle that wasn't helpful mm. to me because I wanted to do what everyone else was telling me was correct. I do know that there is power in my story and I'm just trying to get comfortable sharing it. So like doing things like this yeah, is exactly. helps. I love your vlog series. I have to say, I have sat watching like quite a few of them. It's so nice. It feels like you are, because you're driving in a couple of them and it just feels like you're kind of sitting in the car with your friend and she's having a chat to you. I love this. <laughs> One of the things that you said in um, the video where you spoke about going freelance, you said it's time to choose me which yeah. I love that I yeah. just think that more of us need to make that choice and make that decision for ourselves what did you mean what did that mean to you when you said it so choosing me isn't just like a freelancing I think this year is all about doing whatever the hell Martina wants to do I think last year I spent so much of it just being sad um consumed by my grief but not really allowed to like process it my nan was in hospital for four weeks. My birthday was on the 25th of January. She went into hospital, I think on the 27th, 28th, one of those days. And she was there for four weeks and that was just kind of it. Everything escalated really quickly. You're hoping that she comes out and that she does all of these things so that, because you're not ready to live. I'm, I was 23, just turned, yeah, I just turned 23. And it's just like, even my birthday was really different because I had COVID on my birthday. Oh, no. So we both had COVID. She was in one room, I was in the other room. We don't know if we have the same strain, so we're not really trying to like cross contaminate, but like it's only us two in the house. So if she needs something, I have to go and help her. And I remember being frustrated and stuff and it was just kind of like, mm, yeah. So when she passed, it was like, mm, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I started a new job on Monday. She passed away on a Wednesday. I took Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off, went back to work on Monday. I think Three weeks later, I flew out to Uganda for three and a half weeks. I only had two weeks of holiday. And then I worked a week and a half while I was out there. And then I had the 28 days holiday that you, you get yes. as an employee. That was the most, like I've literally, in the last year, I've probably had like 28 days off. I don't think I've had a sick day, maybe two in the last year and I realized I'm actually running myself into the ground and it's time for me to sort myself out. I was in a position where like, I kind of knew like my job wasn't really working for me for a, for a while. I wasn't really happy. Um, like I loved what I was doing to an extent, but I just didn't feel like I was being used to like my full potential. I'm in a position where I've, I've known what I wanted to do since I was 15, 14, 15. So essentially I've been doing this for eight, nine, 10, years maybe or think it'll be like 10 years nine years next year but everyone wants agency experience and I'm a side hustle babe a freelance babe with eight years worth of experience freelancing essentially doing things building projects which people love start your own stuff but when it comes to hiring for senior positions they want you to have six seven years of agency experience but I currently only have two so I find myself in positions where like I'm being considered for junior roles when the experience and the knowledge I have is for senior but then I'm also being told you're young like 
starting an agency is going to be hard. You're really going to struggle. These people won't want you as your clients. Maybe make sure you have a backup plan. Get a nine to five. And hearing these things from people that are supposed to like help you in your career and stuff wasn't necessarily the greatest. So I kind of made the decision going into this year. Like I knew I was leaving my job. It wasn't really a choice thing, but it was a choice thing. I decided not to fight the decision if that makes sense. So I just said, you know, regardless of what happens, we're going freelance. Our last day is Feb 4th. So I was just like, cool, whatever it is that we have to do, like, let's choose me. Like, let this be a time where we get to to live like my nan did. People up until this day say that they don't know if my nan shouted. Um, like, they've never heard her shout. Like, she was such a loving woman. Like, I could call her and be like, hey, like, I need five pounds. And she'd only have 10. Like, she'd share it with me. So I think for me, I kind of want to dedicate this year to being as close to like her as like as possible that's kind of like my life goal to to become like half the woman that she was because she was nice beyond like necessary yes she must have been so proud of you i know i'm actually tearing up a bit (laughs) it's really magic yeah she would be so proud of you and i think you are not even half but more than the woman you know so I think she'd be mad proud. Thank you. But I think that's also something that I'm trying to tell myself. I think sometimes I find that like I'm really hard because I think often we know where we see ourselves. So even though we've achieved all of these great things, we don't think they're great enough because we haven't yes. got to the next step. Oh, yeah. and and there's always a next step. There's and always, you know, the next rung on the ladder to climb and you think that you're at the enough. top, but it's really, you've just come and popped your head yeah, up. Yeah, it's like, okay, so and... we, we, now we're back at the bottom. Let's yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's never enough. Why are we like this? Why do we have this like insatiable need and drive to to compare ourselves and want what someone else has? And Yeah, it is mad. <sighs> I don't I think I don't say I don't want what anyone has anymore because that's a lie but I'm trying to get comfortable with what I'm comfortable with and learning that the way that I live isn't necessarily gonna be the like I'm delusional and I know that's like a trend like now everyone on TikTok is saying be delusional I think I can't remember I think her name's like Kiara Kiara Lewis like a a, a lovely black lady on she's American and she was just kind of like be delusional like all of this I think a BuzzFeed did an article loads of people have done articles on like her and like the the trend of everyone wanting to be delusional but I generally just pretend things can't be like bad that's a really positive outlook on life (laughs) but it's it's not necessarily it's not about positivity it's just that I just I don't want to entertain the next... Like, no. I think life is hard enough, right? I already have depression. I already have anxiety. Yes. Like, there are all of these things that are already stacked against me. Who's to tell me that I can't do what I want to do? Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So there are... So going freelance, I think, is is completely delusional for me because I think on the 4th of Feb, I had one client. So Martina only had one client. Oh, brave. Get out there. Yeah. <laughs> and on. that was a client that she got the week before her last day. Amazing. <laughs> on the note of your clients, do you ever speak openly about your mental health or do you feel you have to kind of compartmentalize the different parts of your no. life? I I think now, I think that's that's why I love it. My clients are like my best friends. Um, the client that I met, so I worked with him on two accounts. So he runs a music platform called Nine Bills and then he also started his own personal platform for like educational financial stuff adulting you know because everyone hates it so why not create a platform (laughs) actually i need to follow that because i hate adulting (laughs) yeah so the platform is called nels adulting 101 and it's from the perspective because like as a young black man he realized that like he was in a more financially i don't know what the word is 
strong position yes. than other people. He had bought houses and he was looking to buy more. And um, there was just information that he knew that other people his age didn't know. So he's had had, had people like DM him about like, how do I grow my, like increase my credit score? Like, how do I get a credit card? Like, how do I do all of these things? And that to me is more important than saying that I got someone to 10K. Yes. But I have also done that. So I remember the first time I met him, we went to a concert and then we went to the club. <laughs> yeah so we went to a concert and then went to an after party and it was because i think blast was coming in town and as he ran to a music platform um i was like you know what my friend's got a spare ticket let's see if he's free let's go and then we went and then he had tickets to the after party because obviously music platform great yeah. and i just love being able to have clients that are like you know i can show up in a tracksuit and they're just like yeah martina's here like you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> um i've always tried to um i'm professional like let's not get it twisted but i am not your suited and booted kind of girl and i'm never gonna be that and i don't feel like i have to be even though people make it seem like i should be i've just kind of always been of the belief just be who you are and i've now did this this big energy campaign with um was that a campaign? Sharmadine Reed did this thing a weekender. I think it happened for like three, four weeks yeah. in January, February. Love her. There was this thing called the Guide to Working with Me that she does, and she introduced it because Yes, I love yes, that. The Guide to Working with Me. Yes, it's I, so clever. I, I love it. And when I when I when I did it for myself. I think you need to explain what it is. Yeah, yeah, I've explained it. Okay, so yeah. the guide to working with me is something that was created by Sharmadine Reed, and it is essentially this. I think mine's like 25 pages 30 pages it's a long long document but when you do it you realize why it's so important we are so much more than just whatever the job role is so it goes on to speak about who you are as a person i have six siblings i don't actually i do half siblings and all that kind of stuff but um, <laughs> like I have um I have a couple siblings I live alone you know some people need to know that maybe she lives alone I'm an Aquarius you know I'm also Aquarius <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm an Aquarius I think I'm a, like I love to cry I love a cry oh, yeah. oh this one this <laughs> one. Oh my god we'll get to some questions on yeah. crying yeah. I want to have a crying corner but anyways we're going to get to that later it, it there are things that it asks you about yourself how do you like to receive feedback? Mm. Not in an email. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see all of that. Not a long email, at least. Because then it feels like you're shouting at me. And I don't <laughs> okay, want that. Fair. Like, do you know what I mean? So maybe just like, call me. But then at least I've got that in my guide to working with me. So like now that's something that I just share onboard new clients or you go to new jobs because then it's like they have everything there if you now say well martini you don't really perform well well technically you scheduled a meeting in a time that i said that i don't really do well at so yeah that's so wise actually to create that kind of guide i was like we should create that guide 100 <sighs> percent. i loved it but the funniest thing about that guide it's not really that funny but the person that made me create it is also the person that ended my contracts up properly so oh no it was it was just as a freelancer there's nothing really that you can do that keeps you safe because even from that situation i realized i signed a contract on her on like her contract but maybe i should have double contracted so maybe i should have signed her contract and got her to sign a contract that i've had created so that i can make sure that even if her contract doesn't cover me mine does because what ended up happening is I only got paid for two weeks of work and the week notice that I was supposed to be given was essentially voided because I was told that you're not being paid weekly even though that was something that we had agreed on 
Yeah, it's 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 such a difficult world to navigate when we first started freelancing as well. Um, yeah, I feel like you 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 learn as you go, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, it is unfortunate, <laughs> and this is why we're doing the podcast exactly. Because the more that we talk openly about these things and the more resources people have, you know, the yeah. less people need to make the same mistakes that we've all already made. But that's also like why um, I'm trying to get myself to a place in my anxiety and my mental health journey where like regardless of the fact that I am still going through things and I probably will be going through things for, I don't want to claim this, but I think healing is, is a lifetime journey. I think, I think we have the belief that therapy is something that happens for three months and then at the end of the three months amazing like problem solved trauma healed no no, no. there's the no. next bit people will trigger you in ways that you didn't even realize you could be triggered in it's like back to the drawing board reassess it so i just know that there are things i have in me that i need to share and there are times where I'll be willing to share them and there are times that I won't be, but I'm trying to create a daily routine that allows me to do the things that I know are important to me because I think I spoke to someone and they were literally like, I get that you're going through it, but if what you're doing is important enough to you, you will do it regardless of how you feel. And that's where I'm trying to get to because I'm very much emotion driven. If I'm sad, sorry, that's it. Catch me in my beds. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And that's all right. And that's and and it's I feel like a lot of the time we push through. I watched this TikTok the other day where it went boomers at work being sick. Yeah, I'm all good. I'm fine. Millennials and they don't want to be here. Cough, cough, cough. And then it's Gen Z and like I'm off. I'm working. You know. Yeah. And I think we can all learn from that. Each generation, the more we become open about it, I think the better we're teaching each other to just take care of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. What do you think are some really practical boundaries that you can put in in place as a freelancer? I guess one thing we always worry about with um, putting boundaries in place is you kind of, you get a bit nervous about maybe losing the contract because you're creating these rules where maybe they weren't expecting them. So are there boundaries that you think that you could put in place? One thing that I've recently tried to implement that has been working, but kind of hasn't been working is a three-day working week. So I, like I realized after my last gig, I was so exhausted, you know, dealing with grief, new job, pandemic, life, new diagnosis, living alone, being an adult. God, it was, yeah. it was, it was so much. So we still need to work because we need to make money, right? We live alone. We need to pay the rent. Yes. But we are exhausted. And if we continue working five days, six, seven days a week, because when you, you freelance, technically you don't really stop. But what I've tried to do is have three active days of work. So where I'm doing intense things. So I have my meetings or I have my document reading, pitch deck creating, anything that I need for a client. I'll do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I found that the weekends aren't long enough for me. And I I think it's too much pressure on a Sunday to sort your whole life out. So the way that I now do things is like on Sundays, I just try to clear my house. And then on Monday, clear your mind just reorganize your work stuff or think about what the week looks like that kind of stuff on a Monday because I think trying to do that all in one day like I know like we all have the same 24 hours as Beyonce and all of that kind <laughs> of stuff. oh my god this is a fallacy <laughs> she has people helping her with things but there's do you know what I mean team. and there's that and it's like sometimes like I'll walk into my kitchen I'll be like there's dishes in the sink but I'll see you later and <laughs> and, 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 and that's 
And that's just what it is. Yes. Today is definitely a, there's this in the sink, but I'll see you later. And it's because I just have things to do. Yes. Your reality is different. So I just try to do things that work for me. And for some people, like I have taken calls on a Monday, on a Sunday or a yes. Saturday. You will need to do things. But for the most part, I try to tell my clients, I work three days a week. So please try to contact me in those days. I love yes, that. I probably do work longer hours. But what it does mean is I have time to rest. But that doesn't mean that I don't work. Oh. I still do research or but like I might watch a, a film that's related to something to do with my client's specialty. But it's more fun work. And then I leave the heavy stuff to the three days. I think when you've gone from working a nine to five or anything, there's a structure that's imposed for you. And I think the scariest thing about going freelance is being in charge of your own life. Yes. And I remember for the, for the longest, like I would wake up at two o'clock and be like, so what are we doing today? I'm not too sure. All right, then we'll just stay in bed. And it's like, <laughs> you stay in bed because you haven't planned, you haven't thought, yeah. you haven't done all of those things. So I feel like the structure that I have at the minute works really well. And one thing that I've done this, this month is there's this girl on Instagram called Remy Bello. I love her. She Her morning routine always felt like really fun to me. Like she'd post it on her stories and I was like, I love this. What does she do? So she now did this Wake Up With Me, Wake Up With Remy challenge last week. And essentially her morning routine starts at 5.30 and approximately finishes at 8. I'm not waking up at 5.30. So <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do that. But what I try to do is like whenever I woke up, Try to wake up earlier than I would do usually. So some days it would six, it would be six thirty, it'd be seven thirty, it'd be eight, but not one o'clock, not ten, not eleven. Wake up, you pray if you have faith, um, and then she'd meditate. And then she'd wash her, I think she'd either wake up and wash her face, pray, meditate, and then do her affirmations, journal, eat, brush her teeth, you know, shower go get, to the gym, yeah, that get, kind of stuff. Get centered with yourself. So I don't go to the gym, but what I did is I decided, okay, three days a week, I would try and get at least 5,000 steps in. So that's it, that was my equivalent of the gym. I'm trying to do things gradually. So I just woke up and I would pray, meditate, journal, do my affirmations. I was gifted a tarot card deck for my birthday. Cool. I'm just trying to get into that. I love a tarot reading. I love watching the little videos. Like, I think there's this guy on, there's there's free free readings and there's this other guy that like I watch, love it. But I'm very into all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But my mom used to read tarot cards as well when I, I was younger. I, so. I love, I love it. I've always told myself that I'm anti-structure, but what I think I hate is I hate structure that has been imposed. I think, by choosing me, I'm trying to like choose things that are actually for Martina. Yes. Like, who is she? What does she like? What does structure look like for her? And for me, knowing that I have these five things to do in the day and just making sure I do them and not necessarily time locking them. Yeah. So I just kind of try to plan the things that I need to do around the things that I cannot move as opposed to having a really set structure. But I think that only works because I'm by myself at the minute. Do you know what I mean? I'm about to start getting an intern to help with my agency. So there will need to be some sort of structure implemented because you're not just working by yourself anymore. Yeah. They need to know when you do things and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I so think you've already different. built a nice structure already looking at your three-day work week, looking at um, your morning routine. And I think those are such powerful things. And for our listeners that may be going through a mental health time in their lives or even just general to create 
as you said, the choosing me, what works for you. Yeah. It's finding out what works for you and putting the, the systems in place that are going to set you up for success. And like you say, it doesn't have to be extravagant. It's the baby steps. It's the small things that gradual yeah. um, that can get you to a good place. And I think that's, that's very powerful. Harriet and I actually, like, we won't take a meeting before 930 that's one thing that I want to start. No meetings before 10 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. Because, because it's why really do you want important. to talk to me? Yeah, exactly. It's really <laughs> important for Harriet and I to communicate in the mornings, check in with each other, have some coffee or breakfast together, decide how we want to structure our day, like check in with how the other person's feeling emotionally. Like, yeah. what do you have on? Do you need to finish early today? Or I've got this on or... You know, what's the expectation? Before you take other people's energy on. Exactly. That's why I think when I started doing the whole like morning routine thing, I have felt so peaceful. Yeah. I have got letters from the council telling me that they've rejected my my appeal for my parking ticket. And you know what? It's not like, it's, it's just, it's just been like, okay. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not going to let that stress me out. No, sure. Like, it's okay. Like, we'll we'll deal with it. And I think the one thing that I hated, because I got to a point where I no longer really loved my job, I think I'd start work at like 9.45. I'd wake up 9.40, because I didn't want to wake up. But then that meant that I didn't have time for myself in the morning because we also had a meeting at 9.45. Essentially, you have meetings from 9.45 till like one o'clock, which is your lunch break. And someone will try to put a meeting in your lunch break. It's like, if you haven't had that time, when do you have it? Yeah, and yeah. you run away with yourself. like, and, and before you know it, the day's over and you think, what the hell have I done? Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, it, and then someone will also ask you, what the hell have you done? And you can't say anything. And then also you telling them that you've been in meetings all day isn't good enough because for some reason, we believe that people should be able to multitask when there is research out there that actually shows that multitasking is detrimental yes. to any form of productivity because you are actually dipping in and out of tasks way too frequently, which means that each time you switch, you are essentially restarting a task again. So I got to a point where, especially as being dyslexic, I found that multitasking really wasn't something that I could could do per se all the time like in meetings I can listen to music and do work I can have a conversation and do work I can watch something and do work but I can't do two things that require my attention at the yes. same time and that's exactly. the problem when we're all struggling with this whole thing about being present but that's because we've we've built the system of multitasking so I mean on the note of just even like working within the work environment you know how can we actually manage our anxiety or or panic attacks even at work you know the crying even crying at work should you cry should you not cry should you let people see you like I've cried I've so cried. many times in front of managers and the one greatest thing actually that happened was a huge really messed up meeting I burst into tears I was in such a state everyone else holding it together and I was just like I have to leave my boss at the time had come to me and was are you okay? A really great boss in that sense of like really understanding that people have emotions and that you can go through stuff. But he actually thanked me and he said, everyone was feeling the pain. And because I finally showed the emotion of it, everyone else felt like, okay, this is not a great thing. And he actually had to then sort out whatever the issue was with the client itself because it became like abuse to the team. And until someone actually showed emotion to it, did everyone else realize it was such a problem? So, I mean, in your in, for your experience, you know, how how can we manage our emotions? Our emotions at work? at work. That's interesting that you say that because I've been in a similar situation 
and I lost my job. I cannot say that that's why I lost my job, but I can say that I have been the person that has been vocal about things that I wasn't happy with, things that the team wasn't happy with, things that we needed more of, things that we needed less of. I was the person that said, you know, this treatment isn't correct. You shouldn't be questioning our ideas like that. I was that person. And it kind of got exhausting, especially when it's just, you'd have these conversations with your colleagues and you'd be put in positions where like, you're allowed to bring them to like the table but you're the only person bringing the issue to the table. So it seems you're the only person with the issue, even though it's like everyone has the issue. I don't wanna be the angry black woman, let's stop. And it's like, I hate feeling I shouldn't say something because I don't wanna be perceived as the angry black woman because you know, like if something's wrong, it's wrong. But it's something that I've realized that I have to be conscious of. Even mentioning this, like I, I just feel really like, I think that's why I love being freelance. I think as a freelancer, people actually respect you. I think people come to you knowing that you are the expert. So they trust the things that you say a bit more. Sometimes they come to you because of who you are. So because you're a vulnerable person, because you have experience of neurodiversity or mental health, all of these things, they come to you for that, for you. And you can be your full self around them. When, at least for me, I felt that in nine to five spaces, my extra things, like my neurodiversity, like my mental health complications are things that are disadvantages to me as an employee. However, through freelancing, I've realized the reason why I'm so good at the things that I do is because I exist at all of these intersectionalities. They say that when you're marketing, you should market as if you're you're marketing to someone like, like a kid, like a two, three, four year old. And as someone that's dyslexic, the way that I have to comprehend and like process information is so different to a neurotypical person. So if I understand the information that I'm relaying, I'd like to believe that to a certain extent, it also appeals to a wider audience. But there are also considerations such as when I look at documents, I don't really like white sheets. So when I'm working with clients, we must have subtitles. Like let's make sure that the colors that we're using on the text are colors that are suitable to people that might have color blindness or um, the way that we word this might trigger someone that has anxiety or in the black community, like we don't really say these these words. So like, let's use something else because I exist at all of these different intersectionalities as a freelancer, I'm an asset. You know, I am your consumer in so many different ways. And instead of having to hold a focus group, you just essentially get one person that can do it all for you. But in the nine to five space, how do we deal with someone that is so, so many things? Why is it so hard? I'm just a human. We're all unique. We're all people. Exactly. And more and more it's coming out because we're realizing like, okay, maybe down to overpopulation, (laughs) but there's just so much more pressures now. And all those pressures, and especially after two years of the pandemic, they're realizing more and more um, that our, our mental states, our capacity for things is is challenging. And we need to implement things in place that goes, you're not the, you're not the single one out. Everyone has also got something. And how can we also deal with everyone in their own unique way? Yeah. But I think it's a self thing, right? As individuals, we need to get comfortable with who we are because unfortunately these institutions even if like a new startup they're following somebody else's structure like you know they've watched a youtube video in which somebody has said this is how i run my business so this is how they're gonna run theirs too 
the one thing that has helped me through being in therapy, I, I know what I, I like, what I don't like, who I like, who I don't like, how I want to be treated. You've and gotten to know Martina. Yeah, exactly. So I've gotten to know Martina and because I've got to know who Martina is, I can then go into these workplaces and be like, I don't appreciate how you spoke to me. Don't do that ever again. Obviously not like that, you know? You're, like You're more empowered exactly like that. I love that. It's um, straight to the point. It's clear. We've yeah. had a, an episode uh, with a someone senior to us where there was a shouting over in a meeting and it didn't sit with well with us both of us couldn't actually sleep that night and we decided the first thing before we even start the day before we even get into any meeting we would give him a call it was during the pandemic so it had to be over video <laughs> uh and just say we want to chat to you about how you spoke to us yesterday and it really didn't sit well with us and he was a so grateful we did bring it to his attention but also so apologetic and i think he realized when you're in the mess i think we often put people who do act in certain ways on a bad level but they're also dealing with their own stresses and they may out lash out not necessarily meaning to lash out at you particular uh, and once he kind of understood that his lashing out had then affected other people he was like hold on a second i've got to be co- more conscious about that and i think that is half the issue with all of our mental states is that we're not awake yeah we're not conscious to understand and and be aware and again down to present yeah no completely and i think that that awareness that you were talking about as well that manifests itself so interestingly and beautifully in the daily affirmations that you've shared on instagram i think one of my favorite ones that you shared was um my worth as a creative is not determined by my output and this is something that I think a lot of creatives struggle with because we as creative human beings are sometimes so caught up in our work that we feel like we become our work in a way. And it's difficult to Me? keep that. <laughs> God, it's hard to keep that boundary. How do you do it? How do we do that? So it's something that I'm definitely still figuring out. But for the most part, one thing that I've started to do is I've allowed myself to, I'm trying to allow myself to show up as my entire self on the internet because I've always been Martina the creative, the person that helps other creatives navigate their career. And I found that my inconsistency then came from when I was in creative ruts, right? Like how do you how dare you tell other people what to do with their careers when you don't know what you're doing? Like <laughs> I think we all don't know what we're doing. Yeah. We're just trying to like, yeah, figure it figure out. It out as it, but that that's the truth, right? But to me, you do events and you tell people if you want to get into this career, this is what you should do. If you want to go on social media, this is what you should do. But sis, you've had 1.4k followers for the last year and a half. Why? Because you just don't show up for yourself. That's fine for me but I've also realized that by just showing up as myself as Martina the person that enjoys music as Martina the person that goes out as Martina that spent six hours getting her nails done (laughs) that person then I kind of take away the pressure to just continuously create because I don't want to always be creating but at the same time I haven't posted a YouTube video in two weeks and that's really irking me so I guess, yeah, like I'm figuring out, but I'm just trying to to encourage myself to 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 show people on the internet that Martina just doesn't work 24-7. Just try to show up as yourself. Like in real life, you are so much more than what you feel the pressure to do. Like even my, my website, I want to redo it because who is that girl? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess to wrap things up then, um, would be what would be one piece of advice that you would share with freelancers struggling with mental health 
and managing work. Be nice to yourself, honestly, but don't be too nice. I think we need to hold ourselves accountable for the things that we want to achieve because I've realised, especially with myself, that sometimes when I am struggling with my mental health, I end up in these ruts where I, I can't do much. Getting out of bed is a bit difficult. Like, doing the work that I know I need to do. Editing the video is difficult. Answering the phone, texting, difficult. Eating, diff- all of those things. You need to eat because your body needs food. You need to drink because your body needs water. You need to work because you, you're trying to build a career. Like you can't not just, you know, you can't just not work. And not only that, it's like, I remember that I would always feel so much worse after not doing the things that I wanted to do. And I feel like I owe it to myself to show up for myself, even when I don't feel like it. That's my challenge, taking note of where you are in your journey and acting accordingly. You may not be in the position where I am, where I'm able to like wake up and decide like, you know what, you're feeling sad today, but suck it up and keep going. If we're at the beginning and it's just like, you know what, I'm sad, be sad. Because I spent a whole year like in tears. I think it's very important to just take note of where you are and not allow what else is going on around you make you feel worse about where you are in your journey like I said I'm in a position where I can wake up and challenge myself to do more than my body or my mind is telling me that I can but not everyone is there so just be nice and pay attention to yourself because you know yourself the best even if you feel like you don't this conversation has been so refreshingly uh, just real it's just so nice to speak openly and honestly about figuring things out about not having all the answers but also about like sharing what you have learned through really difficult times really really grateful for you kind of like being vulnerable enough to talk to us about this oh thanks like like, you know i'm so happy that i didn't cry because you almost got me crying when you started talking about your nan i was like i'm also super close to my nan the reason why my agency is called 66 is because she passed away at the age of 66 and um 66 is an angel number um, signifies compassion, love, and all of those positive things. And given that as an agency, we are focused on helping young creatives or established creatives or founders navigate the internet or their careers with ease, it just felt right to do something to, to change the name. And if people do want to hire you or follow you or get in touch with you, where can you be found uh, to give us all your details? I am M. Jordine. Martina, that is Martina Jordine, the person, the creative, the freelancer, exists on the internet as M G O R D E N M Jordine everywhere Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. My YouTube channel is Martina Jordine, and then my agency is 66 Agency. So the word 66 Agency amazing well thanks so much how we end every episode we always like to do this is kind of just to grounds ourselves after a week and seeing that it is a sunday it's yes. a perfect time to do it um we do this thing called win some and dim some okay martina win some or dim some this week this week has been full of wins amazing which is is fun i think um, I recently signed a client and they... Congratulations. Thank you, thanks. Um, but yeah, so that was like my first client through an agency and we had our first shoot on Friday. A shoot that I, I, I didn't organise because obviously I had just come on, but just being in a position where like 
two months ago you were working a job feeling like you were underqualified you weren't taken seriously you couldn't really do all of these things and now you're in a position where like you are literally in charge of what goes out and I think the last week has especially made me feel really grateful I'm proud of myself you left a job not knowing what you were going to do and somehow you have managed to keep going and people are finding you and work is happening. And it's like, now look, I'm here on a podcast about freelance life, three months in. <laughs> I've, I never saw this for myself. So I just, yeah, I'm just so grateful. So grateful that's for things awesome. that have That's happened. a huge win. I'll, like, I'll be like, that's a massive win. <laughs> what about you, Harriet? Win some or dim some? Oh, let's see. It's been a challenging week for us. We've been on so many things and split over um, a lot of different projects, which is also great in one aspect is maybe a dim sum in other aspects because we'd be like creative flip-flopping like you were talking about with that multitasking and that you can never be present for one thing sometimes I feel like I just can't get one of the projects to a good point because we're now having to take our attention away and go on to something else so that's been a bit of what did you call it creative whiplash creative whiplash <laughs> that is so cool <laughs> and, and what about you Beep? Um, I have to say today or this week is a winsome week. Um, yeah. I'm going to see my family in South Africa soon, <gasps> which I'm really excited about. And because I'm freelance, I'm going to work from there. So it's it's just so nice to be flexible. And I don't think my parents have ever really seen me working, which yeah. is going to be interesting for them to experience like what I do day to day. I think that that is. So I remember like I think I had to, I did a piece for um, I think Vice Mag. I got, and they got me to interview my mom and ask her what I do. Oh, amazing. <laughs> and my my mom said that I speak to strangers on the internet and she's a bit concerned. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. What is your job title? My mom says I speak to strangers on the internet and she's a bit concerned. We should all have to have our mums write our LinkedIn titles for yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Martina, thank you so much for being on our podcast. It has been so enlightening speaking to you. Um, yeah, we highly suggest listeners that you go and follow her, um, follow all of her amazing Instagram posts, all of her vlogs she's fantastic and we thank can't you. wait to keep seeing what else you do thank you honestly yeah. honestly thank you so thank you so much for like having me we were introduced by like a mutual friend right i still had to share my story with you before you asked me to to confirm me as a guest so i just want to say thank you for liking my story believing in my story and wanting me on your podcast because i think this has done heaps for like my confidence i think sometimes as creatives we don't realize just how far we've come and this for me has been one of those kind of moments so yeah thank you thank thank you. you thanks for listening don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show follow us on instagram at that freelance life podcast and dm us if there's any topics you'd like us to cover or if you've got a question to ask if you'd like to hire us as a creative team, drop us a line. We're at thatfreelancelifepodcast at gmail.com.